0: Hey all, this is Ryan Monzo, and this is the Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCooks.com. I'm here with Brad Towns, former U of H athlete, and Jamie Hollingsworth, the new ad, the new guy to GoCooks.com, who writes our scouting reports, and who is killing it. We're going to talk West Virginia, and we're going to look ahead to Iowa State in Ames on Tuesday night. But first... <laughs> So U of H beat West Virginia 89-55. It was a blowout from the start. West Virginia was never in the game. What I gather from watching them and from talking to people is it's pretty much agreed that they have some really good players, but they don't have a team. And Raekwon Battle was shut down. Quinn Slezinski shut down. Kerr Krisha shut down. This team completely dominated West Virginia. It was their worst loss in eleven years in the Big Twelve. Also, U of H's biggest win in the Big Twelve. Not a lot of people know that. Brad, <laughs> what'd you think? That was very in-depth research on that. I'm glad you Thank
1: did, you. glad you dug dug through the record books on that. You're welcome. Um, you know, it it was eighty-nine to fifty-five, and the game wasn't even that close. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just a it was just an absolute beating. Um, you know, we've we've heard of all the hey, you're gonna really be stepping up coming into the Big Twelve. And I know we are. There are gonna be some teams that are gonna be really difficult, and some will probably kill us. Um, but West Virginia's not one. I mean, they look just like middle of middle of the road AAC fodder. Um, I couldn't tell the difference between them and Temple or them in uh, South Florida. They they just, you know, they weren't good. They weren't good. And I'm sure that they've got some talent. Um, but it wasn't on display yesterday. I didn't see a bit of it. Um they got they got beat in every single aspect
2: of the game from the from the get go. Tony, yeah. what were your thoughts? Um, it was an absolute smackdown. I mean Honestly, going into the game, I thought it was going to be a close game, and I was dead wrong. Um, They've definitely got great pieces, but they're just not gelled at all yet. Um, I still think, you know, Big 12 tournament, they could be a team that everybody should be on the lookout for. If they can gel, they get their big man back, and he gets back in the rotation. Uh, They could still be a dangerous team down the road, but they're not there yet. You know, I watched Memphis. I compared them to Memphis before the game. I'm not sure Memphis is there yet. And you know, they had a who do you think is there? Whatever there is, it's probably the teams that are not building through the transfer portal. Uh, okay. That's why I compared them to Memphis because they both. I mean, you like it. TCU same way. TCU might be gelling. They played Kansas pretty good yesterday, but if you look at TCU's roster. Uh, I've already started working on them and their top 11 players are transfers. So, it's a hit or miss type deal right now with you know, if you're going to build through the transfer portal, how quickly can you become a team? And right now, West Virginia showed that they're not quite a team yet. I find that I find it interesting that some teams can some teams can
1: add key pieces through the portal and and do well and thrive like we do. And some teams do it and it just
2: never clicks. So my philosophy is build a base and then add through the portal what you need to fill those spots. I think that if you're trying to build a new team every single year, it's going to be hit or miss. Like they have talent like extremely talented people, but they're just uh so far they've missed on on them coming together to be a, an actual team. Right. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: If New of H was depending on, say, Damian Dunn to step into the starting lineup and make it work, well, they would be kind of in the same boat, but they weren't. They needed LJ to step in, and coming from a winning program, he was able to do that. But Damian, who is finally starting to put it together, um, you know, just wasn't ready. He, he never, he'd been, Kelvin told me this the other night, is that, you know, he'd been a starter his entire career. He's never come off the bench. He didn't right. under he doesn't understand how to do that yet. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand being a bit player. And the defensive part has been a struggle for him. But they're saying he's starting to have good practices. He's putting he's starting to stack days on top of each other. Right. And I I assume it's easier to do that when everybody around you is excellent and knows their role and does it very well. Whereas if you're a West Virginia and everybody's still trying to feel themselves out and then you, you lose a guy to injury your center and then the weird double transfer rule changes. And so all these guys get eligible and then Krisha stops taking money from people. And so he gets eligible. I don't like that kid. I'll send you
2: Uh, an old tweet later that I that
0: i found yesterday right i'm into it uh so i think the putting it together like josh carlton is a great example carlton came here and was second string uh was the white team as they call it and it it took a good bit into the season before he became your big guy in the middle and really started to dominate
1: well, I think that was I think that was also a, a big team adjustment as well because that was the yeah. that was the first time that we had a true back to the basket inside player. It's like uh, you know hardly anybody knows how to feed the post. They could get they would normally get um, Fabian on a short post. Yeah, um, you would get him away from the basket, but I mean they didn't they didn't have anybody who could back down and really sit in the block and receive the ball and score from there until Carlton. I mean that was. That took an entire team to learn how to kind of integrate him.
0: Okay, so let's get into the defense and how they played against West Virginia. It really West Virginia didn't look any different than Penn. It didn't look any different than Texas State. The U of H defense imposed their will. They were pretty good in transition, but of course they were dominant in the half court. And we looked at that today. Uh, Jamie, what do you take from this defense? Is this is it going to get better or do you think they're playing at that elite level right now?
2: You know, I'm honestly not sure that it could get a whole lot better. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that they're going to add some things and some wrinkles here and there, but I don't know how it could possibly get any better when your whole I went back last night because you know, you hear all these UConn fans and Kansas fans say, "Well, you didn't play anybody in the in the um non-conference schedule, well, I went back and looked at the teams that they played in the non-conference schedule, the really, really crappy teams to start the year that they were giving up 75, 80 points to. We're holding those same teams to 30 points. So how can they possibly say that, you know, we're not legit and whatever, but we're holding teams to 30 that they're giving up 75 points to. So I'm not sure how it could possibly get any better, but I'm sure that you know, with Samson, it's going to.
0: U of H, the most U of H has given up is 66 points this year, A&M and Utah. Um, you have to go back uh, to the Australian national team <laughs> for a team that, that scored more. And, you know, there are nine NBA guys on that team. So, yeah. And if you yeah. go back regular season last year, uh. I think 66 is the most you've given up since, let's see, Cincinnati in January of last year. And you're at something like 25 straight regular season games you've won, which is incredible. Only undefeated team in the country left. Um, So there's a lot of things to hang your hat on. There's still things that are a problem. Uh, I thought the ball moved a lot better. Against West Virginia, but they're still struggling with that, and they're still going to struggle with it
2: right.
0: uh but the shots fell against w v u and that's that makes the ball movement look a lot better
1: yeah you know we talk we talk a lot about the the you can't replicate this in practice, and you hear mm-hmm. a lot of announcers talk about it as well um and while that is true, the perfect example of why you can't replicate this in practice is you watch how West Virginia played. Um, when they double teamed the ball, they eventually got there, and there was a lot of space for people to move. When we double teamed the ball coming off a of pick and roll, it's like a pack of wolves attacking meat. I mean, our guys are all over them. They don't have an inch to breathe. But when they're doubling the ball, there's plenty of room. You could step around. You can pivot. You can turn. You can take another step and then make a skip pass. But there's nowhere there's nowhere to breathe whenever we
2: whenever we lock it down on a uh, on the uh, double teams. Yeah, absolutely, I think that one thing that I've noticed in the Utah game, we did not um, communicate very well. We didn't adjust, you know, from our double team. So they were passing out. I think one one of their guys had five threes, and something's happened since that game that our rotation is so much better now, and guys aren't just yeah. getting wide open looks now.
1: Yeah, and you know that I, I I think I can credit I can credit JVA and um, and uh, JoJo Tugler on making a big adjustment because they're not indecisive in what they're trying to do. Previously, um, Francis would he would he would be there and he would step out to get ready to double coming off the pick and roll, but then he was trying to make a decision of okay, well, do I roll with the guy or do I stay up here? Now he just attacked and then rolled. Then he, right. he attacked and went back, made sure the ball stopped and go. Same thing with Tugler. I mean, Tuggler's just, he, he's he got so much energy that um, he's all over the place. But they were, they were not apprehensive. They weren't thinking anymore. And the game is starting to come to them. So it's telling me that they're understanding their role and where they need to be and the time and space that it takes to be able to get there.
2: No doubt.
0: Okay, that was fun. Um, let's talk about LJ
1: on fire, living comfortably in the zone. Right.
0: You can't have expected more from a guy coming in. I mean, he had a couple of nights early on where it didn't look great, but he shot himself out of it. He's just continued to shoot. They get him looks. Jamie, what are you seeing from LJ? And people keep trying to compare him to Marcus Sasser, which I think is a mistake. He's a much better shooter than Marcus. Marcus may be a better all around player. Is that fair?
2: I think that's fair. I think they're similar. Um, You know, he has the ability to take it off the bounce. Uh, He's got a really nice floater in the paint. Um, But he does, the ball doesn't get stuck with him. Like, he moves it and then he goes to run off a screen to get open and then he gets it back. Um, So it's not a whole lot of just. Dribble, 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 and pull up. Where maybe Sasser did that a little bit, and last year it was a lot of the other guys standing and watching, um, Mm -hmm. and just you know knowing that Sasser was going to make a play. Whereas now everybody's moving a little bit more, the ball's not getting stuck, and um, we're getting much better quality shots this year. Brad,
1: no, I agree. I agree with that. Um, They're they're two completely different players, Um, Marcus. Marcus was really, really, I mean, you know, Marcus is a, he's a point guard with a shooting guard's ability and he came in, he came in as, came in as a point. So he's got really, really good handles and he can beat, you know, he can take anybody off the dribble and he had that, he has that really good, um, step back that he could set up there. But as far as LJ goes, I think he moves the ball a little bit better and he's just a lights out shooter. Mm -hmm. If you give him if you give him an inch, he's gonna be able to he's gonna be able to drain it from you know from twenty five thirty.
2: There's not that many guys that when they catch the ball, you're like, that's going in. And I feel that way every time he takes a shot that it's gonna be a bucket. So credit to yeah. him. He's a, he's a knockdown for sure.
1: And he's you know, he's continued to feast on West Virginia. In his career, he spent it destroying West Virginia. Um and so this game was really no different. You know, I expected, I expected a lot. And you look at his numbers and you say, man, this guy's got really good numbers from the three-point line. But it's hard to believe it until you see it. And especially see it against better teams, better athletes. Um, it's nice to see that not only is he a great offensive threat, but his defense is really, really coming along. And he's not a, you know, he's not what you might think or might have thought coming into it. That you know, hey, he's not going to be a guy that is going to be a really good defensive. He's a really good defensive player, and he's getting better that's yeah. fair, and he doesn't have it he doesn't have to play hero ball either. So I mean that's that's there's there's a lot of space on the floor and a lot of options to be able to have other guys help out.
0: Is it fair to say that he has a better point guard playing with him than Marcus Sasser did? I think Jamal Shedd has been so much more comfortable this year. Not everything is on the two guys like it was a year ago. And Jamal has just looked much more comfortable to me. And he had 11 assists against West Virginia, had four blocks, which uh, I asked Galen if he had ever had four blocks. He was like, "Mm, mm, no, not really. (laughs) But I just, I, I, that just is insane. And I think Damien Dunn had another one or two, maybe three. And you just don't see guards block that many shots in a game. Right, right. But Jamal think- looks better. He looks more comfortable. Like, he knows this is his team. He never had that when Marcus was on the floor. Right. It was always Marcus's team. Even though, uh, you know, you'd call Jamal the The head of the spear, the tip of the spear. Now it's his team, right? And well, he just seems more comfortable to me.
1: I, but I think I think you're one hundred percent right. Not only just he's he looks more comfortable. He looks much improved skill wise. Mm-hmm. He's, he's expanded on his great defense. He's expanded on his on his uh, ball handling ability and, and distribution. But he looks in complete control. Like you said, I mean, he is. This is his team. Last year, the ball had to go through Marcus because you
2: wanted the ball in his hand at all times. I'm now, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just wondering how much it seemed like last year he never came out of the game, and he's actually getting mm-hmm. to get some breaks early in the first half now, which might make him fresher, you know, throughout the entire game. So, I'm wondering how much just better he feels throughout the game now than he did last year.
0: I think that's fair. I have seen a difference in practice, for instance, and not practice, but post-practice. So last year, Jamal would be one of the last ones out of the gym most nights. He would shoot and shoot and shoot. And this year, he's not doing that as much. There are times we see him where he gets his work in, and he does their drill where they go around, the three point line and make shots. And then he goes and that's keeping him fresh. Kelvin is also forcing them to not do post-practice shooting. He did that tonight. Uh, It's the first time we have gotten to see that where at the end of practice, Kelvin says, go, get out. And I think it's the quick turnaround and, He wants to keep them fresher in conference play. They just never had to deal with this in the American. I was talking with Starnes about this earlier today. There was a, a, a week, two seasons ago, where Cincinnati game had been postponed for COVID issues. And U of H ended up having to play three games in a week. Well, they won all three games by 25 points or more. And so it wasn't this real stressful week like you're going to have it here in the big 12, where you're going to have three games in eight days. And Oh, by the way, it's at Kansas at Texas, you know, it's going to be way harder. And I think they're trying to do small things to keep the legs fresh. Um, typically before a road trip, you would have a morning practice fly and have another practice or a shoot around at least tomorrow, Monday, They are going to have practice in Ames. They're not going to practice at home. So I think they're doing just slight little things to keep everybody fresh.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think that you probably would have seen a little bit of that, even if we weren't playing a big 12 schedule, because I think it was pretty obvious last year that a lot of the legs were gone. Not gone. Don't you think? this team is definitely this team is definitely deeper but the one thing that this team has has done a really good job of is they're putting away teams early
2: mm-hmm. so it's
1: making it a lot easier to rotate if you remember last year we would we would get up big and then go into a little bit of a lull right in the middle and all of a sudden you know that 20 point lead would turn into you know 11-9 and keep them in the game but these guys are putting teams away quicker and maintaining that but I think I think coming down towards the end of last year, you had a lot of guys that accumulated a lot of minutes, and then once you throw in some some knocks here and there, and, and you know you lose a player for um, a, a game or two or a stretch, um, all of a sudden you're stressing you're stressing and relying more and more, and you know you can't have Jamal going out there and running you know thirty eight minutes per game, four games in a row,
0: yeah. I think the depth they have at guard, Emmanuel and Damian are making a big difference. And down low, JoJo has completely changed the game. The minutes that he is taking, no one would have thought he was playing this many minutes going into the Big 12. Right. But they have trusted him from day one. And sometimes coaches are a little hesitant to put a freshman in, and they never were. And they just see his athleticism, and he, I think Kelvin believes he has a really high basketball IQ. Right. Like sometimes I'm around these players, and I think they are geniuses. And then you get them off the basketball court, is like, whoa, what just happened? Like you're really dumb, <laughs> but they're geniuses on the court, right? And JoJo is a bright guy. Like uh, I think he's like a 3'9 student. But he is so smart on the basketball floor, and he's just getting better game by game. And that's not his his athleticism is getting better. He's just getting smarter. He's never watched film of himself before this year. And some people take to that, and some people don't. And he really has.
2: Right. I think a lot of it with him is the high school program that he went to. Uh, I know – Samson talks a lot about that coach and what a good job he does. So credit to him, getting him ready to get there. And uh, yeah, he's definitely, I mean, he's so much improved in the last six games, even like, it's just ridiculous uh, what his upside is. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. He's, man, he's going to be, he's going to be fun to watch because he's not a guy that you're hoping the physicality to kind of catch up to his skill, to his ability. His Mm physicality is already there. So you don't have to wait on that. You just have to wait on and be patient for him to get acclimated to the speed, um, to the size of everybody else around him. Um, but once he once he figures all that out, which he's starting to to really show, and once he kind of plays with a little bit more control and not trying to go too fast, um, you're going to see this kid really take off.
0: Agreed. Okay, we're we're agreeing on a lot. Is there anything else we want to touch on about? West Virginia, or can we move on to the next bit of fun?
1: Damien Dunn. Turn in the corner. I this love I love his game. Damian Dunn, <clears throat> I said this the first time I saw him in our uniform. Damian Dunn plays old school basketball. He's got that he's got that Mark Aguirre in him. <clears throat> he's gonna draw contact. He's gonna get people off their feet. He's gonna make he's gonna make little plays that just remind me of old going back, timey basketball going, going back into the, going back into the eighties, hitting that mid range jumper, that 15 footer, knocking it down. Um, he got some, he got some clean looks yesterday and did not hesitate, just stepped up and stroked it. Um, his defense looked a lot better. He looked he looked comfortable. He looked like he was playing. That was, that was fun to watch because I, I, I really think that this kid, is going to help us out immensely in tight ball games. agree.
2: No, I agree. uh, The thing that sticks out with me with him, unfortunately, that we learned last year, is his ability to get guys off their feet, get into them, and get to the free throw line. Um, But he has the ability that other guys that do that same move don't have. If they go straight up, he can make the shot over them. So he's either going to get to the line or he can make the jumper. Uh, which is just a deadly combination. Yep. yep. Really happy. He, he struggled
0: a lot, obviously in the first six or seven weeks, but you know, that's two games in a row, double digit points. He's rebounding. He's starting to gain confidence and he's starting to get more time. And with him and Emmanuel and Kelvin has kind of called him the same kind of player, but man, that is a, just a a spot on the floor with weapons that you just haven't had. And it's going to be so much fun watching this team throughout this league in these arenas. Uh, I'm excited. And I'm going to tell you the number two spot on my entire list of places I wanted to go is Hilton Coliseum at Iowa state. That place looks so much fun. And I am so excited to be going there even though my whole week is now ruined because of this freaking snowstorm. Uh, So I'm leaving my house at 4 a.m. on Monday. When you hear this, I will be in the air or in an airport or something. And going a day earlier than I anticipated. But you're going to get there. Fran Fischilla, name drop, told me about a restaurant I need to go to. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll find it. I mean, how many are there? in Ames and I'm going to just go find him. And I'm just going to just be all over him and, and get all the, the good, you know, content from my good, <laughs> close personal friend, friend for
1: <laughs> Best buds. Now you get to talk to him. Yeah, we, well,
0: Jamie is the one that actually, that got us in. So Jamie was with me at practice earlier in the week and he th- I, I came up, and he's like, I think I saw Fran Fraschilla. And I was like, oh, okay. Because him and Kelvin are boys. It, it's probable. Right. And so he showed me the guy, and was like, oh, that's not Fran Fraschilla. And of course, I didn't have my glasses on, so who knows, I could have just seen anything. But then we figured out that Fran has lost some weight. And, I mean, he looks good. He looks like a guy that does not coach anymore. Right. And so he ended up coming to us and talking to us, and was actually much more pleasant than I was expecting him to be. And now that we're best friends and going to, you know, hang out the entire time over there in, uh, in Ames, <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: Uh, I can't wait B- for the buddy cop movie with you guys.
0: Yeah. It's going to be just like Jackie Chan and Chris Rock or whoever. Was that who it was? Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yeah. Okay. I was not close at all, but I was kind of (laughs) close. Got the first name right. Yeah. Now
1: that, that'll be, that'll be fun. You know, I've, I've, I've always watched a lot of, not a lot of Iowa state, but I remember them back in the day, back when they were really rolling. And that always looked like just a really rough place to go. Um, It just seems like the, their, their support, it's always unreal. I mean, it's what's sell out. How many, they probably have some kind of record of number of consistent or, or consecutive sellouts because that place is always packed and it's always freaking loud. Um, not an easy place to play. Even when, even when they weren't having the greatest of seasons, they're still going to be some giant killers. So it'll be fun. Yes. It'll be fun to watch our guys go into that kind of environment and understanding that, this is this is just life in the Big Twelve. It's every single night.
2: One thing I couldn't figure out uh, when I was watching all these Iowa State games was why are there so many San Francisco Forty Nine er jerseys in the stands? And then I remembered that their quarterback Brock Purdy is uh, the quarterback. Oh yeah. The 49ers. oh yeah,
0: that makes more sense.
2: <laughs> and the oh. colors are you
0: know almost.
2: Yeah, that's what I was like. Man, they wear a lot of football jerseys. You think they'd be wearing basketball <laughs> jerseys? And then I thought. Aren't they San Francisco 49ers? And then it all made
1: sense. So now that you're getting to go up there a day early, um, are you going to get to go tour the
0: giant metropolis? Well, if there's four or five or six inches of snow on the ground, no. Because you cannot be a bigger wuss about cold and snow than I am. Have you and ever seen snow? Yeah, I had the we had the grid thing two years ago. I mean, I'm talking about like snow. I mean, I've been skiing and things like that, but you know, I'm not going somewhere in the middle of nowhere just to have snow, but I'm looking forward to Ames. I love college towns. I love environments and people that care. I like, you know, passionate fan bases and these people. I mean, this is like a 14 or 15,000 seat arena. This is not a little place that they're filling up. Yeah, and it's old. It's it's the same age as Haifind almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was open in '70 70 or '71. Um, yeah, fourteen thousand is the the capacity. So I'm 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 ready. Uh, I ran into Lauren Sampson today, and she said that they call it Hilton Magic, which I didn't know, and that her Oklahoma Sooners have not won there in like 20 years. So, you know, it's going to be difficult, but that's what we're looking for. That's what we signed up for. Yeah. And I'm, I'm ready. And And that weirdo Fred Hoiberg, uh, (laughs) who's now at, I guess, Nebraska, but he was there and did a lot of great things and really got them
2: moving in the right way. But yeah. Danny, talk to me about Iowa state so the old Spider-Man uh, meme where the Spider-Mans look just alike and they're pointing at each other, uh, that's Iowa State and us. Uh, okay. I think that we're a more talented team than them, but we are very, very similar to them. Um, they have really good guard play. Um, so, i going one second, pull up their report. Um, every scouting report that I've made, I've been able to say that guy is the head of the snake. When I look at Iowa State, I'm not sure that they have that.
0: Um and Lipsy... Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, Kelvin basically said, Lipsy is the head of the snake.
2: Lipsy, Lipsy is the head of the snake on the scouting report. Um, okay. I actually talked to a buddy of mine that is a Big 12 coach, and he agreed that Lipsy makes them go, but their five starters are all capable. Um. So, yeah, we're going with Lipsy as the head of the snake. Um, Keyshawn Gilbert, transfer from UNLV, uh, really shifty guard, uh, can score from all three levels, talented, I'm assuming um, LJ will get that assignment. The thing with Lipsy is he's a point guard, and mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, if Jamal has that assignment, the head of the snake's cut off. So... I would look for one of these other guys to step in and kind of be their go-to guy for, against us. Um, Milan Momsilovic, I almost said it right the first time. He's a freshman. <laughs> he plays older than a freshman. He can knock it down. Um, he's a 184% shooter right now, meaning that he's shooting 49% field goal percentage. Forty-four percent from three and ninety-one percent from free throw. So he's a really dangerous shooter. that math, Brad. No, I was told there'd okay. be no math. Yeah, <laughs> and um, let's see. He is six foot eight. So yeah, he's a big go, boy. Yeah, they go six eight, six seven, and six ten in the front court. So last game, um, Emmanuel is having to guard battle. Six five. Now he's probably going to have to guard Momsilovic, who is 6'8". Um, but we saw that he was more than capable of shutting down a shooter, and this guy can shoot it. So um, really talented there. They've got bigs. Their bigs don't scare me tremendously. Uh, Robert Jones is a really athletic post player, good with the putbacks. He's got a really nice little floater, leaner in the lane. Uh, and then Trey King probably gets Jawan, uh, just a big, strong, athletic forward. He doesn't really scare me outside of the paint. Uh, he can clean it up, you know, get some put-back dunks, stuff like that. Yeah. They're, not, they're not extremely deep. They play eight players. They may sneak in a ninth, maybe even a tenth, but they really only play eight players. Uh, Curtis Jones brings a nice spark off the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. Um, they've got a kid that's been injured. I think he missed around seven games. Hassan Ward. I think Javier Francis. Um, extremely athletic. I put super bouncy. Like, the guy gets off the floor quick. Uh, they love throwing lobs to him, stuff like that. Not a good shooter at all. So, if he's outside the paint, I wouldn't worry about him too much. And then they have a, call him what he is, he's a little white guy. Jackson Pavlitsky. Transfer from Wofford, he was the SoCon Freshman of the Year last year. Uh, He's a solid three-point shooter, forty percent. But when you see him walk in the gym, you're thinking that's their Ryan Elvin. But he's one of the first guys (laughs) off the bench, so uh, he's a he's a really talented guy. They're eight deep, but they mirror us a lot. Um, They might be a little bit longer in the front court, but we're very similar teams. The one thing that The coach that I talked to from the Big 12 told me was similar to us. They want to play good defense. Um, They're top in the country in steals. So they want to steal the ball and get transition easy looks. Unfortunately for them, we're probably not a big turnover team. And um, they're just not going to get transition baskets on us. That's one of our keys. So um, I think we come out on top. Never, ever, ever easy to win on the road, uh, especially in the Big 12. You guys have already talked about 14,000. There's going to be 13,995 pulling against the Cougs, so
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. we just got to go in and do what we do. That's the one thing that I always said when when I was coaching high school: do what we do. Don't try to you know get outside of what we do and do all this extra stuff. Just go in, play good defense, take care of the ball we should be in good shape
1: yeah i think i think um the matchup between lipsy and shed that's two of the best point guards in the country going head to head right there that's going to be a war
2: yeah i agree um similar size i think he's number two in the country in steals but he's just not going to steal the ball from jamal so i think that we we can cross him off could be wrong you know i thought we would take wade taylor away and he went for 34 or something like that um but I don't think that Lipsy's the shooter the way Taylor is. Right. He's capable of making you know a wide open three, but he's not gonna you know go between the legs, go between the legs, pull up for three, and you know put it in your face. So, right. But no, I think it will be a, a really good matchup between those two guys.
0: I think they're kind of concerned about offensive rebounding from uh, Iowa State and they think the game is going to be played in the paint. It's going to be won or lost in the paint. Uh, I know that they focused on transition defense today. Um, Iowa State has a really good defense, and I think they're top five in Palm. I asked Kelvin, thanks to Jamie, about does he see similar, similarities between this team and Iowa State, and he said, yeah, but I see that in most teams in this league, save for Baylor. Um, but he thinks they're very well coached. Uh, Lipsy is an elite player. Um, they do have a couple guys that can get steals from you, the offensive rebounding. Um, they play downhill. They get a lot of three point shots off. Um, and we'll just see. They, they they trap a lot on defense. So,
2: to me, they are the most fundamental team that we played on both ends of the court. They. Don't get lost on defense. Um, they run their stuff on offense. They don't. Make, they just don't make a lot of mistakes on either end. Um, but now I would agree with get the ball inside, whether it be off the drive or feeding the post, um, and play inside out because Oklahoma did a really good job the other night of attacking the paint, and they made them pay a lot. I'm looking
1: forward to it. I'm
2: ready to go. How long do we got to wait till this game? tomorrow Come
0: on. 22 hours from or excuse me 46 hours i jumped the gun i'm basically asleep <laughs> why are you laughing well you're already you're, to be a little bitch about it
1: you're already uh you're already in your planes trains and automobiles uh mindset <laughs> God. you're gonna get the plane's gonna have frozen wing and you're gonna have to take a train up there maybe a wagon train who knows that'd be cool
0: Yeah, I'm getting like Greyhound. I'm I'm gonna just chill out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I think that's all we've got. I'm gonna say to you, dear listener, that this is around the one hundredth piece of basketball content we've produced this basketball season. Think about that. You've played 14 games, you played four in Australia, a hundred pieces of content. That doesn't include Hundreds of football articles Pieces of content Podcasts Now we have three podcasts We have a dedicated interview series We have Jamie scouting We have Brad doing stuff (laughs) Being athletic Being Oh, Jesus Yeah, being athletic Elite post player Yeah And we're just getting started Everything What, Brad? (laughs) said we're just getting started this year i hope we're not i'm tired if we're just getting started (laughs) but i mean it's coming and there is going to be elite content for subscribers for the general public but subscriber level is going to see more and more content more and more behind the scenes stuff and right now is the time To get yourself subscribed to goku's.com, it's $45 for the year. That's nothing. You can go to other sites and get one article a year, or you can come here and get 15 to 20 pieces of content a week. I don't really sell what we do a lot. I don't tell you go subscribe, but this is, what are you doing? Go subscribe. Was that too much, Brad? Nope. Just enough? All right gocooks.com gocooks1 on facebook twitter instagram youtube we're everywhere we're doing everything we are continuing to grow we are adding new things sparkle is back in the fold a little bit maybe long term hope long term we had a lot of fun with them in the cat show uh, this weekend Uh, cat show tuesday brad's going to be a part of it I'm going to sort of be a part of it from Ames, maybe. We're going to be, have a lot of fun and we're going to just keep killing it. You got to dig your snowbank. Yeah. Going to Fort Worth next weekend to cover the Cougs there. Uh, and then Provo and Lawrence, Austin, Waco. Feels like there's more. Uh, yeah. So much. But it's a blast. And we have such great connections with the players with the coaches, with the staff. Nobody gets you better inside access than Goku's.com. I don't think there's a site anywhere for any school that has more inside access than Goku's.com. That's all I've got. Jamie, you think Houston wins close? Blowout 10 points? What are you thinking?
2: Well, I thought the last two games would be really close games, and we saw what happened there, so I'm scared to say, but... Yeah, I think uh, with it being the first true road game uh, in the Big 12, I think it'll be somewhat close. Um, but I do love the Cougs in this one. Bradley?
1: I definitely think it's going to be close. I think it's, ooh, I think Cougs by four. Cougs by four, yep.
0: All right, there you go. I think it's Cougs, Cougs. I never know. I Every time I think I know, I just, I'm wrong but it feels like a game to me where Iowa state gets close with about three minutes to play and U of H goes on an eight or 10 point run and ends it. That's what it feels like to me, but you never know what we do know is we'll be covering it. We'll have it. We'll have everything. Thanks so much for listening to talking about them Cougars. I think we're still with Dave Campbell's, right? We're still doing that. We still got everything else. Check us out all week, and thanks so much for listening. Renew?
2: Yavu!